Think Humanities, a podcast for people who love history, philosophy, culture, literature, civic dialogue, and the arts. Think Humanities, from Kentucky Humanities, where we've been telling Kentucky stories for 45 years. Here is your host, Bill Goodman. Here's a bit of trivia to open up this podcast. Bourbon barrels outnumber Kentucky residents. After all, bourbon is Kentucky. Its craftsmanship and its flavors cannot be separated from the culture and history of the state, according to our guest today. The State of Bourbon, a new publication by authors and bluegrass natives Cameron Ludwig and Blair Thomas Hess, showcases the region's first distilleries as well as the local restaurants, hotels, parks, and adventures that every bourbon lover needs to experience. This is a bourbon road trip with stops on the Kentucky Bourbon Trail, the Urban Bourbon Trail, and the Craft Bourbon Trail at Stills and Rick Houses, we'll define, where the history and heritage of the nation's only native spirit comes to life. Not just a trail or a tasting guide, the state of bourbon will lead you across the state of Kentucky through the history of the spirit and into your own bourbon adventure. I think the authors want you to discover how great Kentucky culture and history uh, we have, if you don't already know all about that, and enjoy great food, fabulous drinks, and incredible people on your own Kentucky bourbon road trip. So let's ask one of the authors if that is just one of the things that uh, you uh, intend, Blair Thomas Hess from Frankfort, Kentucky. Welcome to our microphone. Thank you. This is uh, a really neat little book uh, that is not even out yet uh, to the public, is it? It's not. It's not. Not a, a, yet. I think there might be uh, it's selling on Amazon this month sometime, and in bookstores the very beginning of September. Yay! That's exciting. Yes, we're very yeah. excited. Your first book. Uh, I, I remember now. We talked at KET mm-hmm. about what, um, uh, and that was uh, a, a fun book. I, my wife and I used it several times. Still have it on the shelf. Tell, tell mm-hmm. us a little bit about that first book. Sure. It was called My Old Kentucky Road Trip, and it actually started from a blog that Cameron and I started when uh, I was living in Nashville and she was living in Lexington, and we were trying to think of things to do together on the weekends. So we started uh, traveling around Kentucky and meeting places and spending weekends, and so we we started blogging about it. Um, We were both working for jobs that kind of did blogs and a lot of social media, so we thought, we want to do this too. and next thing we knew, it was a book. Uh, we were contacted by History Press and, and made a book. So the first one was really just about Kentucky in general, traveling the state, exploring your own backyard, um, everything from big things like Mammoth Cave to smaller things like Rabbit Hash. And um, it was a really neat experience. Yeah. And so out of that or out of just your interest in uh, in writing and thinking that you might have uh, come upon something that people would be interested in came came the state of bourbon. But, but tell me a little bit about uh, how you how you thought that this would be a good follow-up. Well, we wanted to really, we wanted to do more, but instead of just traveling to more places in the state, which we know there's lots of things we missed with the first book, we wanted to kind of do these focused guides um, so that when you had relatives coming in town and you wanted to know what to show them, you know, we could say, hey, have you ever thought about this? So we we've, um, worked with Indiana University Press, and they came up with some topics that they thought were very Kentucky. Um, and so we kind of took off with three different topics and bourbon being first because felt very natural, you know, Kentucky and bourbon. It's, it's very hard to separate the two. And to do the book, uh, did you, uh, were you already? Did you have to become? <laughs> or uh, h- how did you um, learn about the bourbon that 
really we we all sort of grow up with it uh, to a degree. Did did you were you a a an aficionado of uh, of the liquid? What what <laughs> how, how did that all work to become an expert? I don't know if I was an aficionado. Um, my husband is a is a collector of bourbon. Um, and that really started a few years ago. We moved to Frankfurt from Lexington and. Frankfurt just feels right in the heart of bourbon country. You know, we've got Buffalo Trace routes on the road, and then in Lawrenceburg, Wild Turkey and Fort Roses, and Woodford's down the road over sales. So we felt we were really in the middle of it, and he kind of got into the tastings and the different flavor patterns. And um, so I was just overhearing and listening him and, you know, quietly sipping off of his bourbon when he would offer it, um, but not really, really passionate about it other than the fact that it was a state pride thing. Um, and then I found the more that we traveled either around the state or outside of the state, people always would bring up bourbon. Oh, Kentucky, you know, horses, bourbon, fried chicken. It was like one of the three things. Um, and so we started looking into what bourbon was and, and what it meant and why Kentucky, why was bourbon in Kentucky? Um, and, th- and then it just became fascinating. And so I think a lot about this book was, yes, we want you to taste it. We hope that you don't make all these road trips about getting to taste it. But we want you to explore what bourbon is and the history of bourbon. And even if you don't like it or don't think you like it, there's a lot to learn, and it's really fascinating. I remember, I believe, were bourbon tastings always around? I mean, the distilleries, as long as they've been doing tours, you know, you would always get a tasting. I don't think it was as formal as it is now, um, but But, but you didn't have a, a way to go to a bourbon tasting that, uh, that, that we have today. You, you didn't have four or five select... Um, uh, uh, um, private um, select barrels uh, right. in front of you that you could actually taste and have a an expert tell you uh, what note they were. Is that that's a wine term though, isn't it? Well, something like that, but it's very similar. Um, and I'm sure bourbon experts will argue with me, but I think just in the past decade, this has become a big thing. Um, and I think you're seeing that even in the way that bourbon distilleries are expanding today, um, the number of barrels they have aging, the bu- warehouses they're building. Um, it's really become this boom of interest and so much so we can't keep up. And I don't know if that goes hand in hand with the interest, you know, the rarer it is, the more fun it is to find. Um, but certainly the, the types of bourbons that are coming out, the single barrel, the, um, the certain ages and that sorts of things are becoming more popular because of the interest. So how did you go about, uh, putting together the book? Uh, what, what were your objectives and, uh, do you think you, you reached those? Yeah, well, we started by thinking, by trying to figure out where it all started. You know, we wanted to start at the beginning. Where did bourbon come from? Um, then we wanted to figure out why Kentucky. That was a huge thing for us. You know, we're all about promoting our state. We're from here. We live here. Um, you know, we wanted to sell you on Kentucky. And then we wanted to travel to the different places that were offering bourbon and really try to give you the road trip experience, get back to the heart of what my old Kentucky road trip is about, traveling, getting in the car and going somewhere. Um, And I think we did. You know, it's hard. What I learned first about the bourbon industry is that they're all liars, every (laughs) single one of them. You know, every time we'd go somewhere, they were first. They invented it. They're the longest operating. You know, they have the best. And then you can go to the next place, and they'd say the exact same thing. And it was, you know, so one of you is lying. Um, But so, you know, we found it was suddenly very hard to figure out where bourbon started, who did it first, when exactly they did it. But that became another fun thing about the book is we tell you all that. We're not going to lie to you. You know, we say, well, it might have been this person. It might have been that person. It depends on who you talk to. And that's what makes it so fun. It becomes this folklore of Kentucky. You know, who did it first? Who started it? Um, and that's what really it made it fun. In all of the history and heritage of, um, uh, of bourbon, uh, PhDs have uh, <laughs> written about it for, for eons. A lot of research there. They really have not... 
definitely come up with the very first bourbon uh, location no. person. No. Uh, so they sort of share that in a in a span of what would you say ten or twenty years when when a lot of people early on in mm-hmm. the uh, what late eighteen hundreds. We're, we're beginning to... To come to Kentucky. Yeah. And I think that's fun. You know, we, we ultimately say that Elijah Craig probably did it. A, you know, Baptist preacher from Virginia coming into Kentucky as it was being founded. Um, Georgetown's likely the place. It might have not have been called Georgetown then, but Elijah Craig helped uh, found Georgetown. And that's who we settle on. But we do tell you, you know, you talk to different people, it's different, it's different names. Um, but yeah, it, it was, and that really comes back to why it is the heart of Kentucky, because it was founded along with the state, you know, as Kentucky was getting its own identity, so was bourbon. And it was coming about at the exact same time. And, and a lot of the things are very related. You know, they say that the bourbon started in Kentucky because we had an abundance of corn here. Corn is a huge part of bourbon. We grew it, you know, and then besides eating it and feeding our our livestock with it, what we're going to do with the rest of it? And we're going to make whiskey out of it. Um, and so, you know, the, the two things kind of go so hand in hand that it was hard to separate, you know, the history of bourbon from the history of Kentucky. Uh, tell us a little bit more about uh, about Georgetown. One of the things that uh, you have that that honestly, uh, this is what I would like to do sometime. I've I've um, never gone to the spring that's located there. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, tell us a little bit more about Georgetown that, that people who may travel there frequently don't know about. Well, Georgetown is, is very short drive from Lexington. It's a great little town. I actually got married in Georgetown. I, I really like Georgetown. Um, and if you go to downtown Georgetown, there's a great sign that you know welcomes you to there, welcomes you to the birthplace of bourbon. And Royal Spring Park is right by there, and you can actually see the spring. Um, it's actually a huge utility source for the city as well. Um, but there's lots to do in Georgetown. There's, um, you know, the bourbon stuff is, is fine, but if you want to do other things, there's there are parks, there um, is the Cardone Center, there's Evans Orchard. Um, there's lots of different things to do in the area. And that was another thing about this book is we really wanted to offer things. Don't make the trip without seeing everything. You know, don't waste a day just doing one thing. Um, see some other things about Georgetown as well. So uh, a lot of people, uh, as you point out, probably think that Bourbon County uh, is um, <laughs> uh, one of the founding uh, counties mm-hmm. or maybe the place where bourbon was uh, first made. And that's not right. Well, you know, the story of Bourbon County was one of the more interesting things that we learned. Um, I think of Bourbon County today as Paris, Kentucky, you know, and placed kind of nearby where I live. Um, but Bourbon County was really, when, when Kentucky was founded, it was about 27 of our counties today. It was this huge area, all of central Kentucky. Excuse me. So really all of where Bourbon Country is today. Um, and a lot of people think that Bourbon County got its name from Bourbon, but it was really the other way around. Um, when we were making bourbon and starting to barrel it and ship it out for distribution, we were shipping it down the Mississippi River. Um, and when they would, the barrels would be loaded onto the freights, they would be stamped with their place of origin, which Bourbon County. So they would be stamped with the word bourbon. And so over and over again, people would see this barrels of from Bourbon County being shipped down the river, and they started calling it bourbon. And of course, today it's it's a lot smaller, and the area is probably more your Versailles, Frankfurt, Lawrenceburg area where that was coming from. But it's still one of my favorite stories. And uh, another uh, area that uh, is interesting that is really uh, maybe one of the newest uh, distilleries, uh, Castle and Key, and there it's significant there because of the uh, one of the first women. Uh, that mm-hmm. are uh, as a master distiller, mm-hmm. kind of 
Uh, why is that? Uh, tell us about Castle and Key and, and what's, uh, what's fun and interesting about what they're doing and, and what, what is going to happen to their future. Sure. Castle and Key is, is going to be an amazing distillery. Um, it is in the old Taylor Distillery property, which Colonel Taylor, when he built that, it was all about the experience. He was a little bit ahead of his game, um, kind of doing what we do now in the tours and the, and the big, beautiful scenes. He wasn't just making bourbon. He wanted you to come see it and experience it. So the property itself is, is incredible. Um, and it's set vacant for many, many years and kind of running down. So uh, the folks that bought Castle and Key are kind of rebuilding that. Um, they're, they've created bourbon. They're doing it the real way. You know, right now they're open for private tours and they have gin because the bourbon is aging. So they're actually going to age their bourbon and not offer it till it's ready. Um, so that experience is great. And Miriam Barnes is who's the, the master distiller there. She was a, came out of Brown Foreman, kind of a, a young prodigy there. The biggest thing for us is she's a female. And, you know, bourbon has kind of been a men's game. Um, it's been male master distillers. It's been male-owned and male-driven and really male consumers as well. Um, Louisville has a great group, a women's bourbon group recently that has, I guess it's not that recently, but has come together. But really it's a man's industry. And so seeing it kind of go female um, is, is really encouraging. I will say um, something about Maker's Mark, though. I believe uh, Mr. Samuels there may have taken the credit, but it was actually his wife, Marge Samuels, who did all of the branding for Maker's Mark. So I think she was maybe even ahead of that game, too. She came up with all the branding for, for what we now know as Maker's Mark. Tell us a little bit more about that story. I, I've heard that uh, by traveling uh, down to Loretto to uh-huh. uh, the uh, distillery. But uh, the, the, the dipping of the bottles and all of that, mm-hmm. I mean, th- there was a point in time when she recognized um, that they needed to, um, as you mentioned a minute ago, up their game and uh, create something uh, that was an experience. Uh, tell us a little bit more about how all that developed. Well, Marge Samuels, you know, her husband was was distilling at, Mas- at uh, Maker's Mark, and she knew he had that part covered. You know, she had tasted his products, and it was great, but she also knew the importance of branding. Um, and Marge was a collector of pewter, and so she knew that on the bottom of all of her julep cups, was a maker's mark. And that's what made them all separate and made them all distinctive. And so she thought that what would make her family's uh, bourbon distinctive was was calling it maker's mark, you know, having that established thing. So she was actually the one that created the name. She created the logo, which is the Samuel S with the uh, four Roman numeral for the fourth generation. Um, she was the one that came up with the paper logos that they are um, labels they still use today. The red wax is her idea. Um, and I think her husband probably scoffed a little bit and thought, what is, you know, I'm making the product here. This is the important part. And her argument was, yes, it's important, but if we can't get somebody to buy it, no one will ever know it, you know. So um, I always love that story because it, it just shows the driving force and also the family um, aspect of bourbon. You know, a lot of these distilleries are, were family run in the early days and, you know, generations handed down and recipes handed down. And that was a huge part of what bourbon was in Kentucky. Uh, must pause here to say that uh, uh, the pictures in the book are taken by your husband. They are, yes. Uh, and he is a professional photographer, mm-hmm. or he, uh-huh. he and uh, his uh, website is uh, elliothess.com. Yes. And uh, you can, you can, I'm sure, see a lot of these. Uh, but uh, one, one of the uh, pictures uh, is uh, Evan Williams' bourbon experience mm-hmm. uh, along Main Street in Louisville. So. Tell us, uh, let, let's jump to um, the, the urban area, the big city, and, and talk about how uh, Louisville has uh, uh, really created a, an experience uh, along Main Street, but this Evan Williams experience, bourbon experience, is, mm-hmm. is one example of that. 
Yeah, Louisville has done a great job at capitalizing on bourbon. Um, you know, they are the city for the Derby, so they're the city. They have the horses part uh, covered. Uh, KFC is a huge presence there, so they have the chicken part covered. So really, that just left the bourbon. And, you know, they're on the north end of, of bourbon country. Brown Foreman is headquartered there. Um, Old Forester is a product of that. And so they had it. And then lately, we've seen a lot of the urban bourbon experiences pop up. Um, Evan Williams' experience there in downtown Louisville. They're going to have kind of a whiskey row of that's forming now restaurants that are whiskey themed um, experiences like Evan Williams where you can go see the making of without actually going to the Royal Distilleries. Um, Peerless Distillery is one we mentioned that's in kind of an urban uh, presence there. Michter's is coming up. Um, Angel's Envy is a new one on the Bourbon Trail. It's a fantastic tour. Um, so there's all kinds of things that they're putting in place that they realize that when people come, they don't want to do just one thing. And that is one of the things, you know, you drive out to Maker's Mark in Loretto, you're way out there. So the drive to get to the next place is long. So Bourbon or Louisville is trying to bring bourbon kind of consolidated to you. Is that a good thing, do you think, for the state? It uh, is. It's or, excellent. I yeah. mean, bourbon is a huge industry for us. And, and more important than the industry aspect, it's a tourism piece for us. So not only are we making kind of the money on the, the agriculture and, and export side, we're, we're bringing in tourism for it. And anything that can help kind of brand Kentucky in a positive light and bring people here, um, I think it is great. And Louisville is making it easy. So I think that anything that makes it simple on folks is great. Would you suggest that people uh, try to do these trips on their own, uh, in their car, with your book? Or, or uh, we often see uh, vans or mm-hmm. uh, tourist, uh, 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 I guess, businesses that uh, do bourbon trips and bourbon trails and that sort of thing. What, what, what would you suggest? I think either. You know, it, we're, it, Kentucky's doing a great job of making all of it accessible. If you and your friends or your coworkers want to jump on, I know Mint Julep Tours is a great organization that will drive you around. I think that's a great experience because you get the fun road trip aspect. You don't have to worry about driving. You can have all the free samples that you want. Um, but I also think that you can pick up a guide like ours or you can pick up, I know some others, Susan Regler has a great bourbon country guide. Those things, and do it yourself, and not feel pressured to hurry. Um, we took our daughter, who's two and a half now, on a lot of these tours. Bring the family. Not Don't feel like you have to do it by yourself just because you're 21. There's things for everybody. Um, so I think it's either way you want to do it. It depends on how you like to travel. What's the difference between the Bourbon Trail, the Urban Bourbon Trail, and the Craft Bourbon Trail? It's all ways to, to market and sell bourbon. So the, the official Bourbon Trail is an actual um, makeup of seven or eight distilleries now who you get a passport you go through the experience you know it's it's a way to to travel the entire trail it's it's an incredible successful venture um at like 1.2 million visitors last year from all over the country and other countries the other two are developing and um, the urban bourbon trail is kind of what we were talking about in louisville how there are these urban experiences that they are, want are they the only on. city that uh, has a, a, a a labeled urban bourbon yes, trail? Yes, officially now. Lexington is sort of developing that, um, but with Town Branch, which is right in the middle of town, um, it's also on the regular bourbon trail. So you're not seeing as much, but there are certainly restaurants and things that are popping up and wanting to express the, the interest in bourbon. And the craft bourbon trail is really an experience just like craft breweries. They're smaller. They make a smaller product, um, a lot of more hands-on. It's a whole different experience. We did the Peerless Distilling uh, Tour in Louisville. And it's, you know, the whole thing is you, you're right up on everything, touching and feeling and moving. They actually open barrels in front of you. It's a little bit more personal. Um, they only have one product right now. It's a rye bourbon. So, again, it's it's helping these places get off their feet, get started, and it's still an excellent tourism experience. Uh, Peerless, uh, aren't they also known for uh, something in their uh, 
the the vats or something? I, I, yeah, they have a, a still, a custom oh, still okay. um, built there in Louisville, and it is like I can't remember how many stories tall it is, but you see it as soon as you walk in, and it's um, it's known for having this very famous tall custom built still. Um, so again, the, the what's the difference in a in a craft bourbon? And one that we're in Maker's Mark. It comes down to size and product and and what you're producing per per year. I believe I'm not the uh, industry expert here, but it's it, they're definitely smaller. Um, it's just like a craft just brewery versus a Anheuser Busch type thing. It's mm-hmm. production size. Mm-hmm. What are some of the other areas that we, you would suggest that people uh, use your book as the guide to uh, take them to some? Uh, pretty fascinating and interesting places in Kentucky. I always tell folks to go to Bardstown if you want to do bourbon. Um, Bardstown, of course, coming up here in a month, we'll have the Bourbon Festival. Um, but Bardstown's always bourbon. They have lots of things to do there, um, distilleries around there as well as restaurants and that sorts of thing. Northern Kentucky actually has a lot of fun things. They don't have the distilleries, but up in northern Kentucky along the river, um, Newport and Covington, that area, have a lot of uh, restaurants and things, all bourbon-themed hotels and that sort of thing. So I think really anywhere in Kentucky you can find places um, Eastern Kentucky is more, um, you know, kind of foundations of bourbon, early things. There's not as much to see there, but I think it's important to to acknowledge, you know, some of the things that started in the East. To your knowledge, is there a uh, distillery or uh, a craft uh, a maker in Southeast Kentucky in uh, not necessarily Appalachia, but down in the uh, Somerset uh, London area. You know, honestly, I can't, I can't imagine that there's not. Um, you know, they're popping up everywhere. And I was ta- just talking to someone the other day who was talking about, you know, one coming into uh, downtown Winchester. So I think they are coming up everywhere. I wouldn't surprise me if there was one in the works. Um, there's not one that I can think of off the top of my head. A lot of it's central Kentucky based. Um, but a lot of these places have history in bourbon. And so it wouldn't surprise me with the boom in the industry that it doesn't come about. I do know, was it, um, one of the distilleries was putting up something in Eastern Kentucky. Um, Alltech. Well, Alltech put it in Alltech, Pikeville. Yeah, yeah, in Pikeville. Mm-hmm. So it, it's coming. People know that it's popular. And I think that companies, you know, a lot of these distilleries are owned by larger distribu- distribution companies. They see the area that needs the tourism and they know they can move it there. And it, it will bring people. How can Kentucky or what is Kentucky doing to be sure that the the brand and the name uh, isn't hijacked by another state? You know, I, it's, it's all marketing, and it's one of the more fascinating pieces of the bourbon industry. But as it gets more popular, you're going to see a lot more things, single barrel, small batch, these sort of buzzwords that uh, make it more and more special. They have certain classifications that make it a Kentucky straight bourbon versus just a normal bourbon. Um, I think at the end of the day, we own 95% of the market share here. It's going to take a lot, even if distilleries pop up across other states, for that to leave. Um, you know, bourbon really was invented here in Kentucky. And everything from its climate, its seasons, its temperature changes, the abundance of corn, the limestone-rich water, all of those things contribute to the product. So you're just not going to find the quality of product outside of Kentucky that you find here. The recent uh, political activity having to do with tariffs, we've heard a lot about uh, uh, taxation mm-hmm. uh, and uh, shipping that out. Uh, what what do you understand uh, the the, uh, the most recent uh, news on that is? There's you know the tariffs put limitations on exporting bourbon, um, so it's definitely important to the distillers association. They're definitely lobbying our our politicians and trying to get those things corrected. Um, I think it, what it means for us is is the local interest needs to stay. You know, we really need to gear up our, our own tourism and our own purchasing of the product but so we can help as those export markets kind of work themselves out. 
As we wrap up, uh, name a couple of other places uh, that you would suggest that people, uh, if they're really interested, not only in bourbon tasting, but in the history of bourbon. I, I know that you went uh, up to uh, Maysville, and mm-hmm. uh, there, there's something to say about Maysville, and, and all the way down to Paducah. And if people, I often run into folks who haven't uh, been to West Kentucky, and there's some amazing things to see on the way uh, down there, and a lot going on. And in Paducah itself, there, there's some things uh, of interest. Definitely. And Paducah is an incredible city to visit. Um, just in the past few years, we've been a few times, and there's so much arts and culture there. Restaurants and, and bourbon things. There's fantastic breweries there. Lots to do in Paducah. Um, Buffalo Trace is a local favorite of mine. It's a few miles from my house, but it's a great experience. They're not on the bourbon trail officially um, because they they want to keep their tours free. Um, and so that was one of the things with bourbon trail, you, you charge for tours. It's not much, it's definitely worth the few dollars that you spend, but Buffalo Trace is a really great experience because there's so many different types of tours. We've done uh, ghost tours at Buffalo Trace where they tell you a lot about the history. And now they have this new uh, tour where you actually go down into the ground uh, where they've uncovered some old uh, operations from years and years ago. They do a Kentucky River tour where New Kentucky actually takes you out on the river and lets you see the distillery from the river view. So that's always a fun thing. Um, Bardstown, there's so much to do in a small space. If you make it all the way out to Loretto, it's a heck of a drive, but Maker's Mark is beautiful. Um, and Woodford is always an incredible tour. It's one of the most beautiful places I've been. Well, you can stop for ice cream in New Haven uh, or visit the uh, uh, Ga- uh, the Abbey at Gethsemane uh, on your way It's a, and make a full day of it. It's that's a, right. it, that's, a, that's a great trip uh, mm-hmm. to go out that way. You are um, uh, doing this as uh, part of your uh, livelihood and your employment. I'm sure you uh, would prefer to maybe be a famous bourbon author or a travel expert. <laughs> That's true. But, but you do some other things uh, working for Kentucky State University. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have a couple of other ideas about some future uh, books. Uh, can you just give us a hint about those? Sure. So this is the first in, in three books we're going to be coming out with here in the next year. Uh, we officially launched this one on September 1st. We'll be at Barrel House Distilling down on Manchester Street in Lexington all afternoon. So if you want to stop by, Barrel House is fantastic bourbon as well. So stop by for that. And then in the spring, we'll have a food book, which is all about Kentucky flavors. So uh, foods that were invented here, like the hot brown and Benedictine, um, and then all the festivals that go along with that. And then we also have a Civil War title coming out in the spring, um, which really focuses on the presidents during the Civil War. You know, both Lincoln and Jefferson Davis grew up in Kentucky. They grew up about 40 miles from one another, which is just an incredible thing if you think about what that meant for the, the Civil War. Um, so it's it's less of a historical text and more of a get in your car, go to the battle reenactments. If you've never been to a Civil War battle reenactment, you are in for an incredible experience. It's something I've unlike anything else. So those will be coming out in the spring. Blair Thomas Hess is uh, the author, and her co-author is Cameron Ludwig, who now is uh, working in Texas, but is a Kentuckian, and uh, mm-hmm. uh, probably will uh, hear that refrain from a happy Chandler that uh, we all come home at some point in time, and we hope that maybe she'll make her way back here. At, she will one day. Yeah. Blair, thanks so much for being here. Thank you. Think Humanities is a podcast from Kentucky Humanities and is a production of the University of Kentucky College of Arts and Sciences. This podcast was created at the Media Depot. Think Humanities is available at kyhumanities.org, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Thank you.